Hello and welcome along to episode 69 of the All Things Leeds podcast. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me remotely is, as always, my co-host, Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm sound. Nice. And you've also got a, a haircut this week. Same here. I got mine on Monday. Uh, I feel like a new man. First haircut after about three months. I feel, I feel like a new person. Yeah, I got mine cut yesterday. It was um, it's, I, feel, I feel much better for it. I can't I can't deal with long hair. It's uh, it winds me up. So I'm, I'm glad to be I'm glad to be rid of it. Yeah, I can't I can't deal with long hair either. I need mine uh, pretty short, especially on the sides and back. So yeah, please that I finally uh, was was able to uh, get a proper haircut. Uh, well, we've got plenty uh, coming up uh, in the show. We'll of course look back on last Saturday's uh, game where Leeds United picked up a 3-1 win away at Blackburn Rovers. A big three points there. Uh, we've got plenty of news to cover, including the news that Leeds United's academy has achieved a Category 1 status from the Premier League for the first time in the club's 100-year history. Um, and there's some transfer news and rumours to go over as well before we look ahead to Leeds United's next two games. The first is that ridiculous 5pm kickoff this Thursday against Stoke City at Ellen Road. And after that, it's a trip to the Liberty Stadium for Leeds as they face Swansea City away from home this Sunday. This is the All Things Leeds podcast. So first of all, let's uh, recap last Saturday's game where Leeds United, in their first ever July league fixture, picked up a 3-1 win away at Blackburn Rose. I mean, Charles, a big three points here and, and a very good day at the office. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very entertaining game, very open game, especially in the first half. It seemed that every time the team went forward, they had a, they had a big chance. Uh, thankfully, we were a bit more clinical with ours than Blackburn were with theirs. But yeah, it was uh, for the first ever July fixture. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of set us up well, but unfortunately, everyone behind us keeps winning, so we're gonna have to go out again on Thursday and and this week and do the business. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, as you say, you know, teams around us they keep picking up points. So yeah, big big three points here, a, a really crucial three points this one. Um, but getting into the game then, so two changes to the starting lineup: Alioski and Barry Douglas uh, came in to replace Stuart Dallas, who was injured. And uh, Helder Costa as well. I don't know what happened to Helder Costa. I think he picked up an injury just before the game. Um, but yeah, Alioski doing a job as always. And Barry Douglas on his return to the starting eleven, He had a, a man of a match performance, Charles. Yeah, it was very impressive. I always like it when a, a squad player who hasn't played for a long time comes in and does a really good job because it kind of gives you confidence in the depth of the squad. You don't feel like you've lost as much when you know the backup players can come in and do a really good job. And yeah, he did on this occasion. I hope he can do it again if Dallas is still out, which I think um, he might not be. I think he's, he's, in, he's recovered from his injury now. If Barry Douglas is going to stay there for the Stoke game, then I think we'll be all right with it. I think everyone's going to think, well, he played well against Blackburn. Hopefully he can keep up that metaphor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you said it, it does give you, you know, a lot of confidence. You know, it's very pleasing to know that even without Stuart Dallas, who is, who's been one of the players of the season in my eyes, you know, he's been a fantastic player, Stuart Dallas. He's very versatile. He's a, he's a very good, important part to that team. And so it's very pleasing to know that when he is out, we have a player like Barry Douglas, who, you know, has a split opinion since arriving at Leeds. You know, we felt as though we were going to get one of the best left backs in the league uh, from Wolves in the summer of 2018. Hasn't really worked out. He hasn't really done uh, too well. Uh, but, you know, his past three performances, the one against Arsenal, he was fantastic. Uh, the, the one after that, he was good. And yeah, this one, you know, a man of a match performance from Barry Douglas here and yeah, as you say, you know, it's very pleasing to know that even without Stuart Dallas, Barry Douglas can come in and do a very good job. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, so Douglas, he got in the uh, the uh, team of the week as well, him and uh, Calvin Phillips. Um, I feel as though Click probably should have gone in the team of the week as well. But uh, no, just Barry Douglas and Calvin Phillips getting in the uh, team of the week uh, from uh, Leeds United. So big well done to them. Uh, but yeah, it was a great start for uh, Leeds United in this game as on seven minutes, uh, we took the lead, Click, uh, won the ball really well in uh, midfield, played the ball into the path of Patrick uh, Bamford, who hit the ball first time and found the back of the net. Uh, a good finish and a, and a great start, Charles. Yeah, I'm not, I've am not. i seen this multiple times from different angles and I still can't tell whether it's a foul or not from Click on, on their defender when he's um, when he's got the ball. It seems to nip in and nick, nick the ball, but it, it, I don't know whether he clips his legs as well. You can't really tell. Some people are saying it's a, definitely a foul with Leeds fans, and some people are saying it's oh, it's not. It's just really good, um, really good harrying of the of the defender in possession. But regardless, yeah, it's, it's a Bamford on his favoured left foot, and if you're not scoring them, <laughs> then. But yeah, it was a really good finish off Bamford. Um, 
And to go one up really early really did settle the game down. I remember you you texted me something very blase, you know, confident at the time. Um, nice of us to win the yeah, game in was, seven minutes, I was saying. <laughs> yeah, you, you did say that. And I, and I, <laughs> I said at the time, you, I think you might be jinxing us there, but obviously our record of going one nil, uh, going one nil up and going on the game, or at least not lose, is very, very good indeed. So, uh, yeah, it was it, it was the perfect start. It's what we, what we all wanted. It's what we want from every game uh, under game. So get the nice early goal and then settle it down a bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that early goal, you know, it really, really is crucial, you know, to, to get the first goal in, in every game, but to get it so early on as well. Yeah, it really, really was crucial. And um, yeah, credit to Bamford, really good finish. Uh, that's now a 15 goals uh, this season for Bamford. And uh, yeah, Charles, we've got to give credit to Bamford here because he had a really good game. He did. He kind of found the best of both worlds. Obviously, his job is to score goals and he doesn't always score, but he obviously got the goal here early on. That's what we ask of him. He did the same in the Fulham game and went on to win that one as well, scoring three goals as well. Well, he didn't score, the team scored three goals, obviously, I mean. But yeah, it's, but he also did the, whereas in the Fulham game, he didn't quite do his, you know, his work off the ball as well. In this game, he kind of did a, a, bit, a bit of both. He did the best of both. And that's what we want from every week, really. If he can do his great off the ball stuff and still put the ball in the back of the head, that's perfect. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully, he'll do the same uh, on Thursday. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and after Leeds went ahead, I mean, the game was was blew wide open, and Blackburn started creating uh, plenty of chances. On eleven minutes, Gallagher was played through one and one, and a shot just wide should have scored. Really, and it was a very big let off for Leeds, to be honest. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, Holby was uh, played through and a struck deer right post. Another let off for Leeds. Um, yeah, Charles. After we went ahead, you know, there was a five minute spell or so where. Leeds United were really, really hanging in there. Yeah, there was that bit where after just after they hit the post, Jack Harrison picks up the ball, gets tackled, and they score. And it's given as a foul uh, on Jack Harrison. I'm not, not entirely sure whether that is a foul or not. So we really did get away with one there. But yeah, I was watching the... Did you watch the Quest highlights on Channel uh, Channel 5? And I, uh, I can't remember who they had on, the pundit they had on. He was just basically discrediting all of our goals. He <laughs> was, was, was saying that the... Um, the click one, uh, Alioski was uh, was obstructing the goalkeeper's view when he was in an offside position, so that should be counted. He was, bit... but it, it weirdly enough, didn't mention the, the penalty call. But uh, yeah, he said that the pundit on there said that this goal from Blackburn, the disallowed one, should have counted because Jack Harrison wasn't really fouled. It was a bit like the one the other end of the pitch that clicked it on the other player. You, could, you can't really tell. It seems a bit. He gets obviously get a bit of the ball, but also a bit of the man as well. So it's up to the kind of discretion of the referee there. I'd have been a bit annoyed if that goal would have been disallowed for us, though. So I can appreciate how Blackburn will feel about it. And yeah, there was that five-minute spell where they were on top of us a bit, where we kind of, you know, lost concentration. But we sorted that out and we, we got back into the floor of things soon enough. Yeah, we did. Um, a word on Elan uh, Messier. Um, I mean, he, look, he looked much better in this game, you know, in my opinion. But you know, there's still a few. You know, there were still a few times where it did look a bit shaky. I mean, what what, what are your thoughts on uh, Ilan Messier? It's been a bit weird, really, because he's had some good moments and some kind of poor moments. So I don't think he can really do much about that free kick. I don't even care if he's on his position is slightly better. I don't think he's going to be able to get to that. I think that's a really good finish from, from Armstrong for the goal we conceded. Um, he does have, he did, has had the tendency in the last few games of possibly punching where he should catch, palm the ball into possibly dangerous areas. Not like Viedvold level where every single game <laughs> there's a catastrophic mistake but there is some little tiny concerns here and there but I like the bravery I think he, he made a mistake at some point in the some point in the game and he failed to catch the ball or gather the ball properly and ran to cover his mistake right into the boot right, right in front of the boot of a Blackburn player as they were about to yeah. uh, you know volley it so I, I respect the bravery there because you know getting your head kicked in by a <laughs> by a six foot Blackburn centre forward must hurt so yeah, yeah, he's definitely. got the kind of madness in him that makes a good goalkeeper. He just needs to... Obviously, he's young as well. He's younger than me. He's younger than you. So, yeah, for a goalkeeper, he's very young because obviously they play well into the 30s. So, I think we could see... If you can tidy up a few things here and there, I think he can become quite a very decent keeper. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, a few babies to work on, but, you know, there is promising signs. And as you say, he's only young, 20 years old. He's a student of the game, still learning. So... Yeah, I, I think I think he's he's decent now, and he, he's going to be a very good goalkeeper in a, in a few years. I really, really do believe that. Um, but then for, on for forty minutes, Leeds United made it two 0 Calvin Phillips here uh, with a free kick, twenty five yards out, finding the top left corner. I mean, what a goal! 
Yeah, well, uh, I want to talk about the build-up first. Obviously, it comes from a corner. It kind of gets half-cleared by Blackburn. Tyler Roberts kind of gathers the ball, and someone tries to kill him, essentially. <laughs> I think I think someone, uh, one of the Blackburn defenders just basically boots him in the shin while he's on the ball and doesn't get a book for it. But anyway, that, that free kick leaves us in a... In a really good good position, obviously the we're going to talk about the Armstrong goal shortly. But this is a much it's further further out and slight off to the side. So it's it's a harder position to obviously score from, and it's just a really really good free kick from uh, from Calvin Phillips. It's um, right in the right in the top bins from um, 25 yards out. Obviously he's had a bit of criticism of his um, of his set piece taken recently, particularly corners, but. Uh, yeah, this is this was a really good sign that we can actually score directly from free kicks. It's our first one since Boxing Day 2017 with that Pablo Hernandez yeah. one against Burton Albion. So it's been a long time since we've managed to score directly off a free kick. But this um, this was really really good. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that the um, even Barry Douglas came back into the team. They, they didn't put him on that free kick. Obviously, he went on a free kick later on. So yeah, but this was this was a fantastic goal. Great execution. Uh, obviously, killed it top corner. A brilliant goal, and it kind of put us it kind of put us in in the, in the driving spot. Put us in control. We, we felt much more comfortable from then on. Obviously, after half time, we uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But up until the half time, that, that kind of settled the nerves a bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, a really good goal here, really important. Because, yeah, it did settle the nerves, you know, 2 up in the game. It's kind of game over from that point for, for the other team. MLS to make a, a very good comeback. So, uh, yeah, it did settle a lot of nerves. And, uh, yeah, fantastic free kick from Calvin Phillips right into that top left-hand corner. And as you say, the first direct free kick Leeds United have scored since Pablo Hernandez versus Burton Albion away on a Boxing Day 2017. And, yeah, fantastic free kick from uh, from Calvin Phillips. And, uh, yeah, 2-0 to Leeds United at half-time. But, uh, yeah, on 48 minutes, uh, Blackburn uh, pulled one back. Uh, the host with a free kick uh, of their own 20 yards out. Adam Armstrong uh, took it and uh, found the uh, top right-hand corner here. And, yeah, Charles, you, you, you hinted at it earlier. You know, Messier, could he have done better? Maybe. But I, I think, you know, here you just have to take your hats off to Adam Armstrong, really. It was just a great strike. It wasn't a free kick in the first place, though. If Phillips concedes a free kick by basically challenging for a header in the air, the Blackburn player, they kind of collide in the air. They both both collide. It's it's pretty much the textbook definition of a 50-50 of competing for a, an aerial ball. And the Blackburn player decks it right, right in the kind of the D of the of the box, just outside the box in a central position. So it's it's kind of perfect for a free kick taker. And I think I mentioned in the, the last podcast that um, Armstrong was going to be their danger man, and he was he, he was really good. He's, he's a good player. Obviously, I don't know if you've seen their their most recent game, Blackburn. He scored that um, that wonder goal, that forty yeah. yard screamer against Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to put them three up. So he is a really, he's a very decent player, and putting him in that central position, what 20, 20 21 yards out is. You're in debt. You're in a little bit of danger there, and it's it's a good free kick. I personally think it's Calvin's is better because it's further out and off to the side. But you know, I'm biased, so <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say Calvin Phillips is it's probably better. It's more in that top corner, really. But um, you know, hats off to Adam Armstrong here. It was a good hit, and uh, yeah, that was a two-one just a couple of minutes into the second half. But five minutes later, Matthias Click made it three-one to uh, Leeds United. Um, Harrison here cutting in on the right hand side. His shot was deflected into uh, Matausch's clicks feet and the uh, first time finish and a yeah a decent goal to be fair Charles uh, yes it was it was a little bit fortunate because obviously the Blackburn not really clear their lines properly and then the keeper probably should save it even when the shot comes in it's, it's quite close to him I don't really know how he's not getting to that it was a bit sloppy on, on Blackburn's part but you know we'll take them kind of them dirty goals them you know, kind of lucky goals because we don't get nearly enough of them. So, and that really that finished the game off because from on, from then on we kind of just um, we we were we were in complete dominance. We we kept trying to get the fourth goal and we kept pushing for more for more. You know, three one. That's game over. That's finished. That and we uh, we can we can settle down and uh, make a few changes, which is what we did. And yeah, personally, I don't think we should have brought Hernandez on because by that time the game had been won. Yeah. So we could have probably saved him and and you know kept him fresh. But yeah, it was it was it was fine. And then and everyone was chilled out and Twitter was nice and it was brilliant. <laughs> um, you hinted at it earlier though. Seventy five minutes, Bamford plays through a clean on goal, taken down by uh, Blackburn's goalkeeper Walton. A uh, free kick was awarded to Leeds, and the goalkeeper was shown a yellow card. But Chow, should it have been a red card to uh, to the goalkeeper? I think the only reason I can think of why the referee wouldn't give the red card to the keeper and not finding Bamford's favour would be the fact that Bamford kind of kicks the ball away just before the challenge comes in. 
Yeah. If he'd have kept hold of the, if he'd have kept hold of the ball or just like chipped it upwards and then been taken out, it probably would have been given a red. I think the goalkeeper didn't view it as a goal scoring chance. Even though, I don't know how he can say that though, because he, he was played in perfectly, just about to take the shot and taken out completely. So yeah, if if you're gonna if if you're gonna say it's a foul of a goalkeeper, then it has to be a red card. But well, I mean, whatever, it didn't make it, it didn't really make a difference. I suppose we still won the game. Yeah. But but I, I'd say it, it was a definite red card. You know, Bamford uh, played through clean on goal, last man. You know, defenders aren't getting there and the goalkeeper just takes him down without winning the ball at all. You know, I, I definitely think it, it should have been a red card. You know, you cash my back to last season, that Sheffield United game where Kiko Xay got sent off, uh, ran out and just uh, took out a Billy Sharp. Miles out, Billy Sharp had taken heavy touch as well, so he wasn't played through clean on goal. And uh, yeah, Kiko Xay, he was sent off. And so, I, you know, I think I think he, uh, you know, the goalkeeper should have been sent off. And, you know, maybe the referee had, had in the back of his mind, you know, the double jeopardy rule, because, of course, if, um, you know, the goalkeeper takes out a player in, in, in the penalty area and awards the team a penalty, then you can't really award, award a red card to uh, the goalkeeper because of the double jeopardy. But, you know, here, you know, it's a free kick outside the box. And, yeah, I, I think it definitely should have been a red card to uh, Walton. But, now, as you say... It didn't really matter. It didn't really affect the game uh, too much. And uh, yeah, Leeds saw out what was a, a very comfortable comfortable win in the end. Um, let's have a look at Twitter. So I put out a poll on uh, Twitter asking people for their man of the uh, matches. And uh, yeah, the four options were Ben White, Matthaus Click, Calvin Phillips and Barry Douglas. And uh, Barry Douglas uh, won, the, uh, won the poll with uh, 51.7% of the uh, vote. Ben White only got 6.9%, which uh, I'm surprised about. I thought Ben White had a very good game, but I think it was a, a you know, good team performance all around, though, from uh, Leeds United, really. Um, a word on the set pieces, though, in this game. Of course, we scored from a set piece, from a free kick. But, you know, Charles, especially you know after that Luton game, I thought the set pieces in this game were so much better. Yeah, because obviously we had the, the one we scored from, but we also had um, Barry Douglas forcing a decent save in the second half from a free kick as well. Um, the corners were, were a little bit better. We're actually kind of finding people in, in the box more, but it's still an area we need to improve on. I mean, obviously, I'm not taking anything away from Calvin's free kick. It was brilliant. And Barry Douglas's free kick was good as well, forcing a very good save out of, um, I think, Walton, their goalkeeper. So, yeah, it was a was area improvement. Apparently, the uh, players had a bit of a team meeting after the Luton game to kind of clear the air on on various things. I imagine, uh, especially not taking advantage of the chances. And uh, yeah, it was it was much, much better. Yeah, and uh, a very you know good team performance from Leeds and a very comfortable win at the end. And uh, yeah, a big three points that uh, kept Leeds at the top of the Championship table on fifty on seventy eight points rather, uh, one point above West Brom, who are in their second. Um, and at the time that we're recording, uh, just three points above Brentford, who are in third as they beat Charlton uh, 2-1 at home on a Tuesday night. Uh, Fulham are also still hovering around. Uh, they are fourth on 73 points um, after their 1-0 win away at Nottingham Forest yeah. on Tuesday night. Uh, but Charles, you know, five games left, 10 points needed. So three wins and that will see us up. Uh, are we going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting myself out there like that to be... Uh... <laughs> I'm 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 not going to commit. No, um, I've supported this club for long enough to know that we can definitely still bottle it from this stage. This is a, this is an important week because obviously we're playing Thursday and um, are we still playing on Sunday for the Swansea game? Now yeah, taking Sunday, it off. Yeah. So we're still playing on Sunday. So yeah, we're playing Thursday and Sunday. So we, by the end of this week, we'll know what we'll need to do. We'll we'll be if if we picked up two wins, then we'll know we, we, we've pretty much got it in the bag. We'll, because we, if we win both our games this week, we'll only need one win from three games. So. I fancy our chances. If we lose both games this week, we could very well be in third or even possibly fourth, depending on how the results go. Yeah. So that would be very worrying. So it's it's a this is a probably the most crucial week in the season to to yeah. you know win both games. Yeah, definitely a, a very big uh, big week coming up for Leeds United. But you know when you say you know three wins from promotion, it it is very hard not to get carried away. I mean, we could be a Premier League team in little under two weeks. But, you know, you, you do need to think, you know, there's still five games left. Plenty could happen. Um, so, yeah, it's important not to get ahead of ourselves. Take it one game at a time. And as you say, very big week. And if results go our way, we, you know, it could be a fantastic week. We could be miles clear at the top and only need one more win. Or we could be fourth. And it could be a disastrous week. So, yeah, very big week coming up. We'll just need to wait and see what happens. And, yeah, hopefully it goes in a leader's favour. Uh, we, of course, move on to that home game against Stoke City at Ellen Road this uh, Thursday, uh, which Charles and I will preview later on in the show. 
So let's now have a look at uh, some news and we'll start with the big news and that is that for the first time in the club's 100-year history, Leeds United's academy has been awarded Category 1 status by the Premier League, the highest level possible for an English academy. In granting Category 1 status, the Premier League recognises the club's commitment to youth development and the quality of the environment provided for young players. During an audit undertaken earlier in the 2019-20 season, the club was assessed on the level of investment, facilities, resources, staffing and productivity. Uh, this news means that from next season, the club will receive increased funding and the under-23s team will go from playing in the, in the Premier Development League North, uh, the third tier of the English Youth Leagues, uh, to the uh, National Premier League 2, uh, while the under-18s uh, will be competing in the under-18 Premier League North. Um, the club's academy is now also eligible uh, for the EFL Trophy and the UEFA Youth League in future years. Um, Charles, this is a, a fantastic achievement. It is, and it's um, the kind of culmination of, of three years of effort from uh, from Adam Underwood at the um, academy and, and obviously Angus Kinnear and to a certain extent Andrea Rajazani because they've, um, they've been working very hard for three years to get the the training facilities, the standard up to a certain point and uh, the progression of youth players to the uh, senior team to a certain point that they will be eligible for Category 1 status. And it's this is huge. It means much more funding. It means the ability to retain a lot more of our very, very good academy players with the club so that they're not being poached by, obviously, clubs in European competitions. Uh, so, yeah, this is fantastic. It means we'll also attract better talent in the future because more more youth players will want to come to a Category 1 cl- uh, academy at a, a club besides Leeds United. So this is this is really, really good news. Uh, and obviously, in a couple of years, when we finally get the, the Matthew Murray training site up and running, we'll, we'll really have something special with regards to the Youth Academy. So this is a fantastic achievement by the club. And I'm really looking forward to the, the talent that will come as a result of this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, fantastic achievement. And yeah, a really bright future ahead for Leeds United's academy and the uh, and the whole club itself, really. And yeah, you know, you can tell, you know, the club have been working hard at it for a long time. Since Andrea Ravazana came in, there's been so many improvements at Four Parch, especially since Bielsa arrived as well. So many, so many improvements at Four Parch um, and, you know, you know, throughout the you know entire club. So yeah, really, really well done. And uh, yeah, big congratulations to everyone involved on this. A fantastic achievement. What a future uh, the uh, club have. Um, and speaking of the academy, uh, last Friday, uh, Leeds United announced that under-23s midfielder Bobby Kamwa has signed a new contract with the club. The 20-year-old has put pen to paper on a two-year deal, keeping him at Leeds until the summer of 2022. Uh, Charles, this is great to see. Great to see that the club are handing out uh, new contracts to more promising youngsters. Yeah, uh, Bobby Kamar's uh, he's been a very good player for us the last few years. Um, obviously, this season he's struggled quite a lot with injury. He's not really managed to get playing regularly in the youth setup, but he's a couple of years ago he was he was really touted as one of the top talents in the under 18s So I'm really really looking forward to seeing how he can progress on into the 23s and potentially the first team in the future because he's um, he's a very good attacking player and it would be nice. Obviously, we, we're bringing through the likes of Shackleton and Robbie Gotts and Ollie Casey and, and people like that. Uh, but it'd be nice to bring through all the way up to the you know getting regular appearances for an attacking player out of the youth setup. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know we, we we've seen quite a lot of uh, young players, young promising players at Leeds be handed long-term contracts, which is a, a very nice change for once. <laughs> yeah, we don't really want to, want to run it down to the wire and suffer another Lewis Cook situation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, as you say, Bobby Campbell, a very promising player and uh, yeah, it's good to see that the uh, club are uh, tying him down to a, to a long contract. Um, and speaking of players signing contracts on Tuesday, Leeds United announced that Portuguese winger Helder Costa has now completed his £16 million move from Premier League side Wolves and has officially joined the club on a permanent basis uh, with a 26-year-old signing a four-year deal. Uh, Costa has, of course, been on loan from Wolves uh, all season and uh, when he initially joined the club on loan, uh, this was agreed. So we were expecting this, really. Well, yeah, we knew this was going to happen, obviously. The season has run later than anyone else thought, or than anyone thought it would uh, because of um, coronavirus. So we knew this would happen. And the, the transfer window is obviously going to be a bit all over the place this year, just when uh, corona and the season's kind of been pushed together. Uh, so, yeah, we knew this was going to happen at some point. And it, 
there's certain points in this season where I've really enjoyed watching Elder Costa play football and he's had some really wonderful moments obviously the opening goal against Fulham recently but also the assist for Eddie Nketiah's goal at home to Brentford that that could prove to be one of the most crucial goals and wins of the season and he was obviously yeah. responsible for that so he has had some great moments but uh, he's also kind of dipped in and out of games at certain points and uh, not really got into games and I would really like him to do what Jack Harrison did which was have a first season maybe not be perfect have some have some really decent moments but come back second season so I really hope he comes back when we're hopefully touching my touch wood playing Premier League football next year uh, or if not in the championship and has a really fantastic second season because I'm looking forward to it and I'm because sixteen million pounds is a lot of money, so I really, I really wanted to showcase why he's worth that. Yeah, I mean, it's a very big price tag, you know. As you're saying, you know, Helder Costa, he ha- he has split opinion amongst Leeds United fans. I mean, what what are your overall thoughts on Helder Costa? Is he a sixteen million pound player? Because it is a big price tag to 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 live up to. It is a big price tag. I'm not sure if I would have paid that much for him, but I can't say he's been. Yeah, is that people who say, "Oh, he's, he's been he's been shy all year." I don't agree with those people because I think he has had some really, really good moments uh, this year and he's, he's produced some moments of quality. He just needs to be do it on a more consistent basis. I wouldn't necessarily pay £16 million for him, but you know, it really does depend on how the rest of his career at Leeds United goes because he could make a market improvement. We've seen it with players in the past where they've had sort of dodgy, questionable first scenes. Look at Lucas Radaby, one of uh, one of Leeds' legends. Had, a, had a, a, a dodgy first season under Howard Wilkinson and then went on to become a much, much better player. So yeah. it, it can happen. And Jack Harrison as well. You know, he had a questionable yeah. first year at Leeds last season. And then this season, he's been one of the players of the season as well. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how Elder Costa would do it in a second season. And, you know, if Bielsa stays, if we go up and Bielsa stays a, a second season under Bielsa, it'll be interesting to see how he does. But, uh, you know, I think overall, you know, in my opinion this season, Helder Costa has been a bit disappointing, really, because, he, you know, he came from a Premier League side, Wolves, who, of course, you know, steamrolled the championship just a few seasons before. And, and you know, he was a promising player. I think he scored away at Spurs as well. And, you know, he came to Leeds and, you know, there, he, he was a quality player. You know, there, there was a lot of praise for him. And, you know, as you say, £60 million, big price tag. You were, you were thinking you were going to get a proper good player here. But he just hasn't really lived, lived up to it, in my opinion. I think it has been a bit disappointing. You know, three goals and four assists in 40 league games this season. Uh, four goals and six assists in 43 appearances in total for Leeds United. You know, it's just not the, the best of numbers, really. And yeah, in my opinion, it's been you know quite disappointing. He's had a few memorable moments here and there. I just say the, the Brentford game, you know, setting up Enketia for that goal, which uh, looks like it could be the biggest result of the season. You know, he, he's had some good moments here and there, but overall, for, for me, he's just been a little bit disappointing. What about you? Yeah, I, have, I can't say I've been... He hasn't impressed me the most this season. The, the player I've honestly enjoyed watching the most has asked to be Ben White this season with yeah. uh, Stuart... Stuart Dallas being a close second because I've really enjoyed Stuart Dallas's performances this season. But uh, yeah, um, I, w- I would have expected more from him, but I wanted to be patient with him. I've been patient with Jack Harrison to a certain extent. We've, uh, we-, we questioned him a bit last season, but we- he's-, he's come good. So I'm un- I wanted to be patient with uh, Helder Costa and hopefully yeah, he will, um, he'll reward that patience. I-, I-, I would ask other Leeds fans to be patient with him as well, particularly on social media because that kind of winds me up. I, I don't mind anybody criticising players, but you know, tagging players in posts, commenting on players' posts, it seems a bit a bit childish and unnecessary, really. If you're going to criticise a player, just do it do it down the pub, like, or, or you know, or don't tag them in a in a post. Just don't bother harassing them on their own, you know, pages on on their own posts or tagging them in things. It's it's unnecessary. You can criticise players without tagging them, and you can, or better yet, criticise them to your family members, to your friends, or whatever. Yeah. Whether whether out of earshot because it doesn't help. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, people people probably say you know you're criticising players on the podcast, but you know the chances of players listening to this podcast are very very low. You know, I don't think any players listen to this podcast, <laughs> and it's not like we're clipping out the bits where we call players out for for being terrible. You know, clip them out, put them on social media, and tag them. You know, we don't do that. We 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 just say, oh, you have a player and hasn't had the best of games. He's not good enough. You know, we we just say it on podcast, but no no one's gonna, no players are going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. We're not we're not we're not abusive either. We don't say horrible things about them. We yeah. don't, we're not abusive about people. Oh, we're, the the worst we'll say is, um, yeah, he's not up to the standard, or he's not he's on a poor game. And players know when they're not up to the standard. Players know when they're poor game. And they don't mind being, you know, seeing that. I imagine the, the stuff they really don't like is the, you know, abusive stuff towards them or the families or whatever. That's the yeah. stuff they really hate. And we never do any of that. We never do any of that on here. 
we just, we just say oh, he's had a poor game, and that's true. Some games players have poor games. Yeah, if you've uh, watched the documentary on uh, Amazon as well, you know you see Ailing, and I think it's Stuart Dallas as well who talk about the uh, criticize criticism from uh, fans, and Lots you know they mentioned yeah. you know there's death threats to families and and friends and stuff, and it's like you know we don't do any of that, um, and yeah, I don't agree with with you know with any you know, supporters doing any of that. You know, you're not really supportive if you're, if you're taking it uh, that far. And yeah, I did see Helder Costa on his uh, post on Instagram. He had to uh, limit the comments because he was getting quite a lot of abuse. So that that that's not really nice to see. And I echo your thoughts. You know, we, we need to give Helder Costa time. You know, Bielsa's system, you know, how so many players have improved in, you know, in under a second season under Bielsa. You know, Bielsa's system, you know, it's so hard to get up to speed with and, um, yeah, I think Helda Costa, I think he just, just needs some time. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in a second season. And uh, yeah, Charles, you, you'd, you'd hope that this isn't premature because, you know, if we don't go up, then we we might have to sell to be able to afford this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, well, we'll be in very, very serious um, financial fair, fair play trouble. Uh, and we'll probably have to sell a few players to to make up the, the standard or, or else we'll end up like Sheffield Wednesday in Derby where... We'll have to start um, doing, shall we say, questionable things to fit into FFP rules. I'm going to leave it there uh, with regards <laughs> to that. I'm not going to say any more than that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Helda Costa, uh, now uh, a Leeds United player on a permanent basis, four-year deal for him there. Um, and a player who, who uh, Leeds have been linked with this week um, is Celtic striker Odson Edouard. Uh, Leeds Live uh, have reported that Leeds are linked with an ambitious move uh, for the 22-year-old uh, French youth international. Um, now, Edouard, he has scored 22 goals in 27 games this season for the Scottish Premier League champions. He's a good player and uh, he'll probably be a good signing, Charles. If we are to sign him, he seems like he would cost a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And it also seems like it very much depends on how this Augustine thing works out with regards to the, you know, more than likely the legal battle with Leipzig of whether or not he's coming to Leeds. So we'll see how that turns out. I think it could be a complex one, this one, and it could be uh, something that Phil Hale will be talking about in an athletic podcast in a couple of years' time as to how this one all kind of figured out. If it's figure out. Um, I would like his assignment. It, it looks... It looks brilliant on YouTube, but you know everyone looks brilliant on YouTube. <laughs> John and Bataka look brilliant on YouTube. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Jimmy Kebe did as well. I'm not really sure how this one's going to turn out. If we are to sign him, I'm, I'll be pleased. If we don't, then then it's just one of them things, and it really is so another decent player we're linked with. It will very much. I think it will very much depend on how the Augustan situation turns out, and we can't make any predictions on that because we don't have all the facts and all the information, and we don't know what Leeds are going to do with that yet. So. Yeah, nothing we can really say on, uh, about that for now. Yeah, I mean, as as the reports say, it's an ambitious move from uh, from Leeds United, and yeah, it definitely <laughs> would be because Edward, he's a very good player. Very, you know, twenty two goals in twenty seven games this season for for Celtic. You know, that's that's very very good. So, yeah, he's a very good, promising uh, younger Frenchman, and uh, yeah, it does kind of remind you a lot of Augustine because he was a a younger Frenchman uh, scoring a lot of goals for youth teams and. And whatnot came to Leeds and didn't really do much. So hopefully it's not it's not similar to that situation. And you know, as you say, it, it depends on what happens with Augustine. Because if we do have to end up signing him for fifteen million pound or so, then we're not going to get another striker. And Augustine will just will just be at Leeds. But if the Augustine deal doesn't fall through, then yeah, Leeds will definitely be looking at uh, other striking options. And Edward, he would be a fantastic option. So um, yeah, hopefully there's 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 something uh, there's there's some truth to that. And uh, yeah, hopefully. United are eyeing them up, but yeah, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, then so be it. Um, and finally, it was announced uh, only last Thursday that Leeds United's trip to the Liberty, St- Liberty Stadium rather <laughs> to face the Swansea City this Sunday um, had been selected for Sky TV broadcast. Uh, the game was originally set uh, to kick off at 3 p.m., but it will now kick off at the earlier time of 1.30 p.m. Um, and I say had been because Sky have changed their minds now. Um, and they now won't televise the game. And so the only place to watch it is on LUTV. Um, and the reason for the switch is the number of picks Sky gets for each club. So Sky, we're running out of uh, Leeds United selections. And so they've, they've decided to uh, change their minds and uh, keep their options open. Ah, bloody Sky changing fixtures around, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just predictable because they're... They're constantly because they're moving the fixtures around. There, we're playing after West Brom and Brentford. I think it's five games we're playing after them, so we'll know. Four what we of need our to last do. five games we're playing. After them. 
Yeah, so the, the pressure's on because if they both won, then we'll obviously be in, um, we'll, we'll need to win. If they both lost, then obviously we'll, we'll, we'll want to take advantage of it. It doesn't really seem overly fair. Games should be played at the same time, you know, for all things being equal. But uh, they're trying to rinse as much money out of us for the EFL while they can. I, can, I understand that. And <laughs> then changing the fixtures around again is a bit silly. I don't think I've, I think I've seen this before with a, with a game get put on Sky and then get taken off Sky. It doesn't yeah. really happen that often. Yeah, and it's really frustrating because they've, they've they've changed it to an earlier time for TV and then just changed their mind. But as far as I'm aware, the kickoff time is still 1.30pm on Sunday. So, yeah, very frustrating how they've just changed the, the times around, you know, for, for the players, you know, earlier start for them. You know, they've changed everything around and then just done a big U-turn. Thank, thank goodness there's no fans going to the game because that would have really pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, that would have that would have caused a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, but as it is, we'll, we'll just have to get it done. Yeah, and um, another one of Leeds' fixtures has uh, been moved. Uh, the game against uh, Barnsley at Ellen Road has been selected for live broadcast on Sky Sports and will now take place a day later than originally scheduled. It will now kick off at 5pm on Thursday the 16th of July. Another Thursday 5pm kickoff. Great. <laughs> Thus moving the game uh, the following weekend away at Derby County uh, to Sunday the 19th of July. I mean... Oh, Sky, they're making a right bloody mess of these of these fixtures. I think they, I don't think this, but I think they think that we are going to go up and they want us being promoted live on Sky, obviously. They want it on TV. They, they don't want the game uh, that we get promoted in, if we do get promoted, to be on like LUTV only because they'll, they think they're going to miss out on a lot of money and a lot of live audience. So, you know, far be it from me to accuse Sky of being somewhat greedy, but they want the audience for themselves. So they're des- desperately trying to pick the right game. Yeah. Obviously, they, th- they thought it might have been a bit earlier, but now they're thinking because of how well Brentford and Fulham are doing, it might be a few, uh, a couple of games down the line. So they're trying desperately to pick the right game. And as you say, they've only got a certain amount of games, so they've got to be careful which ones they choose, <laughs> which is just funny. Yeah, I mean, it is understandable why Sky, you know, that the you know the change in the mind of things because, as you say, you know, they do want the game that Leeds United win promotion in or potentially win promotion in to uh, to be uh, live on Sky Sports. So yeah, it's understandable. But you know, I, I don't appreciate all these games being moved around. I mean, five PM on Thursdays. What on earth is that about? What on earth is that about? But you know, it, it's understandable. But yeah, you just thought that the that they don't mess mess about too much with the uh, last few. I mean, the last fixture, you know, of the season, you know, they can't change anything because they all have to kick off at the same time and be on the same day. But um, yeah, the, the Derby County game, you know, it, we'll need to see what what time that will kick off at. But that's going to be on that uh, that Sunday, or it could change to to Monday night or whatever. But yeah, four out of our last five games this season are now being played after our rivals, which just isn't isn't too great. Probably a disadvantage to us, really. But you know, it's understandable where Sky are coming from, and uh, yeah, I'm just thankful that fans aren't going to these to these games because it would have really, you know, uh, really uh, messed about a lot of people, really. And yeah, I think you know the decision to not televise this Sunday's game against Swansea. I think that was after Brentford won on Tuesday night because after Brentford won it meant that Leeds United can't get promoted on Sunday because there was a lot of talk on social media on Tuesday, which was really annoying me, that uh, people saying, oh, if results go our way, we could be a Premier League side on Sunday. Well, that's a big if, and the chances of it happening were, you know, they're unlikely. And yeah, it's not going to happen now because Brentford won on Tuesday. So um, yeah, I think, I think Sky yeah, they, well. they changed their mind on it. Yeah, Fulham as well. So yeah, I think Sky changed their mind after those results. And um, yeah, it's understandable, but... Uh, yeah, hopefully they don't mess around the uh, change their minds again on, on uh, fixtures this season. Let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which is uh, this Thursday against Stoke City at Elmwood, kicking off at the ridiculous time of 5pm. Uh, Charles, how are you feeling heading into this game? It's a bit like a Europa League game, isn't it? Kicking off on a Thursday evening. It's just a bit strange. Well, we need to get used to it. Um, We're going to be in Europa League in a few seasons. Don't really- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't push your luck. What I'm thinking about it, I don't like playing Stoke because I just don't. Um, <laughs> they, they, they've got kind of, a kind of reputation with it has been a bit of a Brexit team in the past. Uh, they've got a kind of long ball. Um, they've got Michael O'Neill now as manager, obviously he used to manage previously uh, Forest and I think he managed Villa and uh, Ireland as well, I think. I think Northern Ireland managed. Yeah. I do apologize. Don't, 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 want to, don't, want to, don't want to mix those up. Don't want to offend anybody. He's managed Northern Ireland. So, yeah, it's, he's quite an experienced manager. He's quite a defensive manager. I expect the game to be a bit like the Luton game, except yeah. maybe not as defensive. 
it won't be like the Blackburn game where it'll be open and there'll be chances coming every couple of minutes. I'll be very surprised if it's like that. Stoke will be compact. They will play for the draw. I guarantee. I can pretty much guarantee you that's what they'll, what they'll do. It'll be like the Luton game, but not as... Because Luton pretty much made like five changes, so they had like eight defenders on the pitch. It's not going to be like as bad as that, but they're also not going to... They're not going to lose enough many gaps to try and get through them. Michael O'Neill definitely won't do that. It'll be a lot of set pieces, so... I really hope we can we can learn from our mistakes in the Luton and the Cardiff game and get through them, get the goal, and hopefully get the three points. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, Stoke they'll they'll probably just just sit back and you know frustrate the hell out of us, really. Which you know, I, it would be a waste, really, because they do have some decent players. You know, Tom Ince, Sam Vokes, you know, decent attackers, really, and and you know, you you would think you know they they try play some decent football, but yeah, Michael O'Neill. And Stoke, you know, they, they generally just sit back and just frustrate teams and, and defend and, and and try steal a point. So yeah, I, as you say, you know, I'm I'm kind of expecting a, a game similar to the Luton game. It's you know, it, it's it's going to be hard to uh, to break them down, but hopefully, you know, we can get the three points. Um, but Stoke, uh, they beat Barnsley four 0 at home in their previous game uh, last Saturday. Uh, but that was, however, their first win since the restart. Uh, drawing one, uh, losing the uh, other two. Uh, but yeah, Michael O'Neill's side, you know, they're having a poor season. The 19th in the league on uh, 46 points, three places and just two points above the uh, relegation zone. So, you know, they're scrapping for points. You know, they still have something to play for. Um, and so, yeah, Charles, it, it could be a tough game. Yeah, Stoke, uh, they've just underperformed for two years now. And you've got to be wondering where eventually the the parachute money is going to run out uh, their wage bill is probably one of the biggest in the division they've just been really really poor and so yeah they, they will be desperate for points because they're not they're not clear of the relegation zone yet although i think it's unlikely they'll go down at this point i think there's other teams that holds middlesbrough barnsley Luton, and charlton are obviously more kind of in the mix with regards to the, uh, the relegation zone but they're not they're not clear yet so yeah they will, they will be wanting a result but at the same time, they're not going to give. If they think they can, they can get away with just nicking a point of Ellen, they will definitely do that. It's, it's in their interest. So, like Luton, so yeah. yeah, it won't be an open game. But they will, they will still come for for uh, the win if they can, which you know they might do because there's they're not that squad is not talentless. They've got some decent players in there. They're just not performing. Yeah. Um, let's have a look at uh, whoscore.com and uh, have a look at Stokes' characteristics. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they are very strong at defending set pieces, very strong at stealing the ball from the opposition, strong at creating scoring chances and strong at aerial duels. Great. <laughs> they have weak at protecting the lead and very weak at defending against through ball attacks. I mean, we play a lot of through balls and uh, yeah, they're weak at protecting the lead. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting what happens. Uh, Stoke style of play, they control the game in the opposition's half. Not going to happen here. Uh, they uh, play long balls, attempt crosses often, play with width, opponents play aggressively against them, rotate the first 11 and they are non-aggressive. So, yeah, the fact that they, you know, rotate the first 11, you know, they could be um, unpredictable. You know, it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game against Stoke. So, yeah, hopefully Leeds United can can get the victory. Uh, Leeds, of course, go into the game. Uh, Three games unbeaten, two wins and uh, one draw, uh, one loss in the uh, last 10 uh, with two draws, seven wins. Uh, making up the uh, other nine games there. Uh, so, yeah, confidence should be high. You know, hopefully we can uh, continue the good form heading into the uh, last handful of games because, you know, I always say it, momentum is, is very, very key in this division. But, yeah, Charles, you know, as as I've said, you know, four out of the last five games playing after our rivals, this is, you know, one of them. Yeah, playing after our rivals, you know, will, will that put us at a disadvantage, do you think? Do you think that will add a, a lot more pressure on us? Possibly, because um, if Brentford win their game, they can't. Of, uh, they're only three points behind us, aren't they, at the moment? So they could be uh, on, even, uh, on equal points, and obviously West Brom could go two points clear of us. So that will be we could be in third place before we even kick off, so, which is a bit worrying if, if results don't go our way. So yeah, it will put a huge amount of pressure on us, and I hope we can we can deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the key thing is just we just need to focus on ourselves because it is in our own hands. So we just need to focus on ourselves and just. Just do what just do what we need to do just to just to get the job done. Just focus on ourselves, win our games, and then we'll we'll be up. You know, it's in our own hands. Don't focus on anyone else. You know, if we're third heading into the game, then just make sure you win the game. Just focus on yourselves. Take it one game at a time, and uh, 
you make sure you uh, you do the job. Now, since 2018, Leeds United, we have played Stoke four times, won two and drawn two. Uh, we, of course, beat them uh, 3-0 away in the league earlier in the season back in August. Uh, so, yeah, Charles, do you think we'll uh, do the double over them? What's your score prediction for this game? 2-1 Leeds. They'll get their goal off a set-piece. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon Stoke will score, but I reckon we'll see a, a repeat of a scoreline from uh, this uh, fixture last season. Uh, I, I reckon Leeds United will uh, win 3-1. I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory to Leeds United. Hopefully, we can uh, get three points on Thursday. Uh, well, let's now uh, look ahead to uh, Leeds United's game after that, which is uh, this Sunday. It's a trip to the Liberty St- Stadium uh, to face Swansea City. Uh, now, since the restart, Swansea have played four, one, two, drawn one and lost one. Um, Steve Cooper's side, they are eighth in the league on 60 points, four points outside of the uh, top six. So, um, again, Charles, you know, we're coming up against a team who, you know, they, they have something to play for. So it definitely won't be an easy game on Sunday. No, because I mean, obviously they beat us at Ellen Road to a uh, extremely fortunate 90th minute winner. Yeah. They've had a, they've had a very mixed season of, of Swansea because they've been, they had that really good period at the start, but they've kind of been a bit inconsistent throughout the season. And, but they're still within, they're still within reaching distance of the playoffs. So they won't, they won't have given up hope of that, that yet. We, we, I think we struggled in the past down their place as well. Obviously, we've got the, um, the 2 2 draw there last season. So, yeah, we, we, we have struggled down there, down their place in the past. So, but we do need to win the game. So we'll just have to go out and do it. <laughs> There's no other way around it. We're just going to have to win the go out and, and win the game. I'm pretty confident this week. I'm actually confident. I think we'll get two wins. Really? You're that confident? I like it. It's not, it's not like you to be confident. <laughs> oh, cheers. Well, it isn't. You know, as, as your Twitter handle says, cynical well, no. leads. Usually I'm fairly, I am I am cynical and I usually am a bit pessimistic, but, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it this week. I think we're going to do it. <laughs> I like it. But I, can't um, wait, I can't wait to... Uh, I can't wait to be back on the podcast next week calling myself a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's have a look at uh, who scored. <laughs> let's have a look at uh, who scored.com then and uh, Swansea's characteristics. So they are strong at defending set pieces and strong at protecting the lead. They are weak at stopping opponents from creating chances, weak at aerial duels, and weak at defending counter attacks. Um, and yeah, we do a lot of counter attacks, so hopefully that plays in our favour. Uh, Swansea style of play they uh, do short passes, attack down the left, play with width, play the offside trap, opponents play aggressively against them. And they are non-aggressive. So um, yeah, take of that what you will from whoscore.com. Uh, but it'll certainly be uh, it won't be an easy game, uh, but it'll be a very interesting game, and hopefully Leeds United can get the job done. Um so since August 2018, Leeds United have played Swansea three times, drawn one, won one, and lost one. Uh, that loss, of course, coming earlier on in the season, as Charles uh, said earlier, where we lost one-nil at home to them where Swansea won the, uh, we beat Leeds United away trophy and won the championship trophy as well, I, I believe they were celebrating like. <laughs> it, it was also like they won the Champions League on their bench celebrated. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it really was. I mean, that what what was that? The second home game of the season, what, fifth game in the one and they were celebrating like the Dordie won promotion? I think they thought they were onto a good thing for the season. You know, like they were going to be up there, but they weren't, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they've had a very mixed season. But uh, yeah, so Leeds United, what, what can you see happening here, Charles? What what, what do you think the score will be? 1-0 Leeds. I'm going to go for a other kind of shithousing a bit of an away performance. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-0 as well. Yeah, a shithousing 1-0 away victory at uh, Swansea City, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon we can do it. I'm confident as well. And yeah, hopefully Leeds United can get uh, two wins from uh, two this week. Um, just have a quick word on the uh, on the lineup though for for Thursday. Just go back to that game. Um, so yeah, Marcel Bielsa in his press conference this week said that Helder Costa and Stuart Dallas probably will play. I mean, for you, would you put Dallas straight back in there? Because Barry Douglas had a very good game at left back against Blackburn. So would you put Dallas straight back in there? Yeah, but first of all, I have to say he said they probably would play. He didn't say they probably would start. That's you got to think about that. We get five subs as well, so yeah. there's no guarantee that they'll start. I would, I would. The starting eleven as it is, because I think perform well. I think be also often rewards good starting uh, at winning teams and keep, keeping things the same. He likes consistency in the team. I think the starting eleven should stay the same. But yeah, obviously put them on the bench because they'll be useful to come on. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I think just keep the starting eleven the same. I mean, why change your winning formula? You know, I think Jack Harrison, fantastic on that right-hand side against Blackburn. He's just so much better on the right-hand side. Um, and yeah, Barry Douglas, very good at left-back. So yeah, I think... 
you know, Helder Costa, I, I think he needs to work his way back into the team because Alioski and Jack Harrison are doing really well at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Stuart Dallas, although he's a very good player, I think just treat him like Pablo Hernandez because he is getting to a fair age now and you don't want him to, you know, aggravate that hamstring pulse. So, um, uh, so yeah, uh, keep Dallas on the bench. Go with the same starting 11 as Blackburn for Thursday um, and then, uh, yeah, see what uh, happens Sunday. Um, other games still cap for this weekend then. So uh, you've got Fulham versus Cardiff on Friday night, an 8.15pm kickoff there. Um, Derby versus Brentford and Blackburn versus West Brom on uh, Saturday. So, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd imagine Fulham will win at home. Brentford, they'll, they, they're on a roll right now. Brentford look like they're not going to lose another game this season. So, um, yeah, they, they they probably will pick up a win away at Derby. And, uh, yeah, Blackburn versus West Brom. Not an easy game for West Brom there. But, um, I mean, Charles, you know, I, I think every game now until the end of the season, you know, they must wins really. Must wins. Yeah, they are. Obviously, Derby are in fairly decent form recently, so we could hope that they might be able to nick something against Brentford, which nobody else seems to manage to be able to do. Cardiff will be a tough opponent for, for Fulham. They were dodgy for us. Uh, obviously, they suffered a bit, a bit of a, def- a shock defeat against Blackburn last game, but they've had, generally, since the restart, I think they've kind of been the more or less the form team of Cardiff. They've had a, a really good run. So, uh, th- there is there is hope this weekend that things will go our way. <laughs> Not but. Yeah, as you say, we need to do the job ourselves. We can't rely on other people to just, you know, yeah. make mistakes. We actually have to go out and win football games, unfortunately. The, it's the most vulgar part of this uh, of the sport. <laughs> It'd be nice if it could all be done on paper and by XG and numbers because we'd win the league by a mile. But sadly, it's not done like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to go out and win, win our own games, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, hopefully Leeds United can do that and hopefully Leeds United can pick up two wins from two this week. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of episode 69 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. Thanks for having me on, mate. Really do appreciate you uh, joining me again, Charles, as always. And uh, thank you to everyone who has uh, listened or watched. We uh, really do appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed them, why not subscribe or follow the podcast? Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there. Do it. Do it now. Uh, make sure to follow All Things Leeds on our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search Poor Things Leeds 1 on Twitter and Instagram, search Poor Things Leads on Facebook and search All Things Leads on YouTube as well to uh, subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel if you have not already. Uh, Charles and I, we will be back next week um, again at the same time because we're playing on Thursday again next week. So yeah, we'll be back again on uh, Wednesday next week. Uh, so yeah, until then, take care, stay healthy, stay safe and we'll see you soon.